0: Well, we're in this series called Ghosts. We're wrapping up the last of uh, three messages, and if you didn't get a chance, man, Isaac Schaefer just brought it strong to kick us off. Kip continued it last week. If you didn't hear those, or if you did hear those, you probably need to hear them again. They're awesome messages. Make sure you can go to church214.org forward slash podcast. I'd encourage you. All of our messages are on there from the very beginning. It's some really good stuff. I just went back and listened to one. Was listening to one yesterday. Man, we've got we've got an incredible teaching team. You have no idea for the size of our church. You have no idea, no idea. Yes, four of you are excited about that. We're getting somewhere. We went from one to four. Here we go. I love it. This is going to be an interactive service. So, if you don't participate, I'm just going to respond to myself. Okay. So uh, as I wrap up today, I want to focus on some practical things of what the Holy Spirit means for each of our lives. So if you're taking notes, and I'd highly encourage you to do that, uh, we're going to talk about three things. Listening to the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and then the fruit of the Spirit. Is it really dark here? Can you guys see me? Okay, good. So before we get there, though, let's just do a little review about who the Holy Spirit is. Um, The Holy Spirit's God, and God is the Holy Spirit. They're inseparable. They're distinct persons, but they're three in one, the Trinity. And the Spirit was there along with God the Father and Jesus at creation. We know that. Genesis 1-2 says the earth was formless and void. Darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then in Genesis 2, we learn, we know that God created man from the dust of the ground. He knelt down in the most incredible grace that you've ever seen, and he breathed life into us. He breathed life into man. He breathed his very spirit into us. And so if you're breathing here today, I really hope you are, okay, wow, I really hope you're breathing, then you're breathing in the kindness of God. You're breathing in the very mercy and the grace of God. And then when you exhale, you're exhaling his spirit and his breath onto other people around you. That's a whole other message in and of itself. So every living human being has had this encounter with the spirit. That their lungs fill with air, they inhale and they exhale. They're sustained, you and I are sustained by the very spirit, the breath of God. And then we know if you're a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, we know that you are sealed with the spirit. Ephesians 1.13 says, When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you this Holy Spirit whom we promised long ago. If you're not a follower of Christ, you have an opportunity. It simply means there's no magical prayer that you need to pray. It simply means that you're walking your own way, following your own path, which leads to destruction and death, and believing in Jesus simply means turning around, repenting, and walking in the direction of Jesus. So you can do that right here, right now in your seat. You can, you can pray, you can turn your heart around and start walking in Jesus' footsteps. And if you do that, I want to talk to you afterwards or one of our team wants to talk to you afterwards. So, so make sure uh, to do that. And we'd, we'd love to pray with you. That's, that's the most important decision you can ever make in this life, okay? I don't want to just gloss over that. That is the most important decision because after this point, I'm going to be talking to those of us who have made this decision. So that's a huge decision. And if you want to talk more about it, like I said, afterwards, I'd be more than happy to talk to you. One of the words that the Holy Spirit has been both shouting and whispering, both equally powerful, to our team in this season is the word harvest. Harvest. In Matthew 9, you might remember this story, Matthew 9, 36 and 37, it says, When he, being Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were confused, they were helpless, they were like a sheep without a shepherd. And it's so important when you and I, just side note, when you and I see people that are not followers of Christ, it's so important that we see them through the eyes of Jesus, through the lens that he sees them through, and have compassion on them. People are not our enemy. We do have an enemy, but people are not our enemy. And Jesus said to his disciples, And he's saying this, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's saying this to you right here and now, May 21st, 2017. He says, the harvest is great. There is a massive harvest out there, but the workers are few. See, there's always been this worker shortage problem in the kingdom. And so Jesus said, so pray to the Lord of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields. I have a question for you. How many people here at Church 214 want to see a harvest? Okay, a few of you. No, how many people really want to see a harvest? Like your heart is wrecked for people. It is broken for people all around you that don't know Jesus, that are headed in a direction that would send them to an eternity that's so horrific that you would not wish it on your worst enemy. Do you really want to see a harvest? Or are you just saying that because it's the right thing to say in this moment? I'm asking myself the same question. How many of us truly want to see a harvest? If you want to see a harvest, stand up. Don't just stand up because someone else next to you is standing up or peer pressure. Don't do it. But if you really want to see a harvest, stand up. Okay. You know what the awesome thing is? There's more than 12 people here. When Jesus asked the same question to his disciples, the very next chapter, he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the field. The very next chapter, the answer to the prayer, is was a really short prayer. The answer came really quick because Jesus said, that's you. And you're the ones that are working, supposed to be working the fields. I'm the one that's supposed to be in the fields working. So we got more than 12 people here. We can definitely change the world because the 12 disciples did. And there's only 12 of them. All right, you can make, take your seats. I'm ready to preach. That was just the appetizer. Okay, I know a lot of you have heard this story, but don't check out on me, okay? How many people know that the Word of God is living and active? Those weren't just stories that happened, true stories that happened a long time ago, but those stories are still happening here and now in our lives. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua 6. And while you turn there, let me paint the picture for you. So the Israelites, they were in slavery in Egypt, Uh, in bondage to Pharaoh, and there was a whole progression about how they were delivered from that bondage, but God delivered them. He provided a way out, only one way out through the Red Sea where there was no hope, God made a way. And that's a picture of our salvation. Uh, It's it's you and I following Jesus. He's the only way, and, and he's led us through on dry ground. If you walk, you still have to walk it out. And so they are, they're on the other side, and now they're following this pillar of fire by night and this cloud by day, and, and they're, they're going to Mount Sinai, and they spend all this time in the wilderness. That's a picture of you and I walking and following uh, the Spirit of God, okay? Now, fast forward many years, a whole generation dies in the wilderness because they didn't obey God, but the new generation, they're ready to step into the promised land, and God says, I'm going before you. I've won the victory. You just have to walk in it. Very important. So they cross the Jordan River again, same sort of way that God made a miracle of the Red Sea. He backs the water up. They cross the Jordan River. And here they are in Joshua chapter 6. They're standing in front of the, one of the most imposing cities at that time, Jericho. And they're standing there. And God's told them, you've got the victory Joshua 6, verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. Stop right here. Somebody needs to hear this today. You're going up against a Jericho in your life. I don't know what it is, but it's big, and it's scary, it's imposing. But here's the thing. Jericho is scared of you. Jericho is scared of you. Remember, your enemy is not people, but you do have an enemy. His name is Satan. He's the devil. He, he controls some of the darkness, all of the darkness. He controls the principalities and powers, but guess what? They are scared of you. Because why? Because you carry the Spirit of God inside of you. Hello? You carry the Spirit of God inside of you. You know the armor of God that Kip mentioned last week, Ephesians 6? Look this up. All of that armor is for attacking the enemy. None of that armor protects the backside of you. It's all for going forward, for walking in the victory that God has for you. You and I were meant to step forward, not to stand still, to step forward. God made us to attack the enemy and to take ground. You were made to be a warrior. You were made to attack Jericho, and the one that goes before you The one who already won the victory, his spirit lives inside of you. You're sealed with his spirit. Chris, that's just a good word. That's a good word. Thank you. Thank you for that. I needed that today. Jericho is terrified of you. Remember that. Verse 2. But the Lord said to Joshua, I've given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark. Now, remember the Ark of God. David had, a, had one up here on the stage not too long ago, uh, a replica, obviously. He didn't find it. <laughs> the Ark of God contained the presence of God, the happening spirit of God. So God's instructing his warriors, that's you and me, just as much today in our lives as it happened back then, he's instructing us to walk with the presence of God, to walk in step with the spirit of God. Okay, are we getting it? We're tracking, okay, flip over to the New Testament. Galatians 5. There's a lot of scripture here, so I'm just gonna start going while you find it. Galatians 5, starting at verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Another translation says, walk by the Spirit. Sound like Jericho? Yes. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Those two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit or led by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, though, the results are very clear. Here's the results if you follow your sinful nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy. Jealousy, that's a big one, I think, in our culture. Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But here's the good news. But the Holy Spirit that's walking this direction produces these kind of results in your life, this kind of fruit, if you will, in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. See, what we have to do every day is the, the desires of our sinful nature. We have to take those. The victory is won, yes, but we have to take those and nail those to the cross that Jesus died for them on. And then Paul says, since we're living by the Spirit, since we're walking this way, let's follow the Spirit's leading in some part of our lives. No, every part of our lives. The NIV says, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit, just like Jericho. How many of you have electricity in your house? It's not a trick question. Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, come see me afterwards. There's this awesome thing called electricity and that we have in the 21st century. For an electric current to happen, there must be a circuit. A circuit is a closed path or a loop around which an electric current flows. So when you turn the switch on, the current flows around the circuit. But when there's a break or you turn the switch off, no electricity can flow. I'm going somewhere here, okay? This helped me understand the Holy Spirit. The same is true with the Holy Spirit in our lives. If you know Jesus, if you believe in him, you're sealed with the Spirit. You have the electric current inside of you. But I think so many Christ followers are stumbling around in the dark because they haven't flipped the switch on. See, you have the Spirit, but you need to activate the Spirit. You have the Spirit but you need to actually walk in the spirit. No one's going to do it for you. Like Joshua, God says the victory is won, but you need just need to keep in step with the spirit. You and I if as believers, we have the spirit, but we need to flip the freaking light switch. We've got it within us, but we don't always have the connection turned on. Am I talking to anybody? You've got to flip the switch. So how do we do that? How do we activate the spirit? How do we walk in the spirit? I'm glad you asked. Remember the story of Samuel? Samuel um, is this little boy. Let's back up a little bit. Samuel's mother was uh, Hannah, and father was Alcana, and she couldn't conceive. And she was begging God for a son, and she said, God, if you give me a son, I will dedicate him to you for all of his days, and, and that happened he gave her a son named him Samuel and when as soon as he was weaned she brought him to the tabernacle in the care of Eli the priest and that's where he stayed uh, for the rest of his life in service to God in the tabernacle and so Samuel's a little boy we don't know exactly how old he is but one night he's in the tabernacle and he's sleeping by the ark of God the same ark that they're that they were taking around Jericho same ark where the presence of God is kept so he's sleeping near the presence of God. And let me just touch on something that, that Kip said last week. Dreams and visions from God are very real. And you and I need to pray every night with our children that God would speak to them in the night about, through dreams. And you should be asking your children about the dreams that they're having. Listen to me. Right now, this is, this is not publicized on Fox News or CNN or anything like that um, for obvious reasons, but... People in Iraq and Iran, in those Muslim countries, the the church is growing rapidly. It's because they're encountering Jesus with Saul-like Damascus Road uh, experiences in their dreams at night. It's unbelievable some of the stories that are coming out of there. Dreams are very real. And your children, listen to me, your children don't have a junior Holy Spirit. Okay? they don't it's it's one holy spirit one spirit that spe- the same spirit that speaks to you speaks to them just they can often hear it more clearly because they're not encumbered by the things of this world they have the faith of the ch- of a child so man connect with it's not freaky it's awesome the spirit's also speaking to you and me and the only question is are we listening so Samuel the little boy he's sleeping and he hears God call to him, God call to him he's Samuel, but he doesn't know it's God. And I love this. Samuel jumps up immediately and he runs to Eli. He thinks Eli's calling him. Like he doesn't walk. He, he, he runs to Eli. He doesn't like wipe the cobwebs from his eyes. He, he runs to Eli when he hears the voice. Man, if we were only that obedient to the spirit. That's what I want for my life. I don't know about you, but to hear the Spirit and then run to obey. And you know the story, Samuel does this three times. He runs to Eli, and Eli says, no, I didn't call you. Does it again, does it again. And the third time, Eli finally figures out what's going on. He says, Samuel, God is speaking to you. And so he instructs him him how to answer the fourth time, and God calls out the fourth time, Samuel, Samuel. And I love this. Samuel says, speak, speak. Your servant is listening. If we want to listen for the Spirit, that has to be our attitude. We have to have an attitude of, speak, God. Your servant is listening. See, I believe that we have a massive listening problem in our culture. Massive. It's an epidemic, and the devil loves it. We're distracted by all the bright and shiny things all around us, by all the noise, the 24-7 news channels, the sports, the whatever coming at us, and we miss the holy moments. We miss the Holy Spirit. In our busyness, we miss the holiness. We've got to choose to stop and to listen, not just once in a while, but every single day, every moment. I'm embarrassed by the times that I've missed the Holy Spirit when I was so consumed with other things that I just completely missed what he was trying to tell me. But thank God that he calls to us more than once, just like Samuel. I've also experienced the times when I have run to obey the Spirit's voice and there is nothing better, nothing better in the world than to be obedient, to step forward into what God is instructing you to do and speaking into your life. My wife, Heather, and I have been married for 17 years now, and there's so many times that we can, one of us will say one word, and the other one will just finish the sentence. We know exactly what's going on many times. Or one of us will say something that we haven't been talking about for days or, or weeks or months, and the other person will say, oh my goodness, I, that was literally on the tip of my tongue. I was just thinking the very same thing, almost like someone is speaking to us individually, to our individual hearts. But it's like our hearts have been fused together by the Spirit of God. See, if you want to know someone's heart, you've got to spend time together, yes? See, I want to be so in tune with the Spirit of God that if he just says one word, I can finish the sentence. That if he just gives me one look I know what to do. If he just gives me one glimpse, then I know to run to obey. 1 Corinthians two ten to 12 says this. This is awesome. But it was to us, that's you and me, that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we, you and I, have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. But we've got to flip that switch, we've got to turn the connection on. Are you in the Word of God? Are you developing a relationship with him? It actually takes work to develop a relationship. Those of you that are married, know this. Is your heart seeking his heart? Are you praying? Are you listening? You you know that prayer is not always talking, right? It's often about you listening. It's about the posture and position of Samuel saying, Speak, Lord. I'm going to be quiet and let you speak and download what you have to say to me. I'm telling you, this will make all the difference. If you are in the word, if you are spending time in prayer, if you are spending time listening, then you will begin to hear his voice so much clearer. And then you'll stop running into Eli's room and listen to the right voice. It's about building a relationship where you begin to recognize what's being communicated to you where you begin to recognize the power of the Spirit that you already have inside of you. All of a sudden, the light switch, it was off, and now you flipped it on. You have the power inside of you. You've just got to activate it. Galatians 5.25 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Walk by the Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. See, you and I have two warring natures inside of us. Two natures that are battling it out. And only you can choose which one you're going to walk in. And in my own life, I can tell when I'm not in the word. I can tell when I'm not in prayer or listening. I can tell when I'm not in the posture and position of Samuel. You know how I can tell? Because the war with my flesh gets a whole lot harder. I've recently, I've, I've, I do a fairly good job. I'll say that of being in the Word in the mornings. I'm not perfect. My wife can tell you that. But over the last few years, I've really stepped up my game. I'm not saying that pridefully, but it's, it's made a huge difference in my life. But recently, I, the Spirit challenged me and said, yeah, you're doing a great job in the morning, but what about the evening? What about bookending your day? And so I got super convicted, just to be honest. I'm not, telling, I'm not saying this to convict you to do this. I'm just... Sharing what he's telling me to do. To start my morning with him and to end my day with him. And it's not about perfection. It's not about doing it so to be perfect. And if you miss a day, then you're you're scratched off the list. No, it's about the posture and position. Because if you're doing that consistently, then throughout the day, your posture will be, God, speak to me. And you may not get something that, you know, right away in the morning or at night but you'll be driving around you'll be on an airplane you'll be doing your work and all of a sudden you'll be like wow yes i get it because you're in the posture and position of samuel and when we're in tune when we're in his presence we can clearly hear his voice those nudgings those promptings he'll he'll bring someone to your mind who you haven't thought of in years That's not the food you ate last night. That's the Holy Spirit telling you to do something when he brings someone to your mind. Or he'll nudge you. You might be in an environment where you don't know somebody across the room and he'll nudge you to talk to that person. Are you gonna obey? Are you gonna take the steps? You actually have to walk it out. No one is gonna do it for you. He's speaking to you. Or he'll prompt you to to stop and give somebody food. Or he'll prompt you to do something specific. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And if you're in tune with him, then you will run like Samuel to obey. And when you obey, heaven touches earth through you. The spirit of God actually blows through you because he's in you. And the spiritual affects change in the natural. And that's incredible. The kingdom of God falling to earth. See, one of the biggest battles you and I face is battling with ourselves. But we have to remember that the spirit within us is more powerful than our old sinful nature. We've got to keep nailing that old sinful nature to the cross every single day. Put that thing to death because it will try to rise up. But the further you walk that way towards the spirit, the easier it will become. But you have to remember that Jesus is always more powerful than Jericho. Jesus is always more powerful than Jericho. And you have his spirit within you. You've just got to flip the switch. Verse 17 in Galatians 5. This is awesome. It says the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of, this, of what our sinful nature's desires are. The Spirit gives us desires. I think that for me at least, a lot of us grew up thinking that we had to fight our desires. That's only partially true. Desires are not bad. The spirit will give you massive desires. Follow those desires. See, the desires of your heart occur when your heart is in alignment with the Father's heart. And the desires of the Spirit, if you're following them, will far outweigh your sinful desires. You want to know how to fight your fleshly desires, your sinful desires? You fight desire with desire. That's a good word, Chris. I needed that. Thank you. But when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry. There's a whole list of stuff here. Jealousy, envy, division, dissension. See, when you plant trash, you get trash. In Africa, one of the things that they do, they, they just throw trash out the window. Because their mentality is, well, I'm creating a job. Someone will pick that up. The problem is there's trash everywhere. Nobody picks it up. When you plant trash, you get trash. And the same is true in your spirit. The direction you're walking will determine your destiny. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Where are my harvesters from earlier? I think almost all of you stood up. Give me a wave. Let me know you're still breathing. Okay, good. What's the process for harvesting? Do you just walk into a field and begin picking off apples off of trees or peaches or, or wheat or whatever? No. What's the process? Harvesting starts with what? Planting seeds. And the seeds you plant today become the fruit of tomorrow. What seeds are you planting in your life? The seeds of the Spirit or the seeds of your sinful nature? Maybe I should ask you this way. What fruit is your life producing? See, all you need to know to find the fruit of your life is is just look behind you and you'll see what's growing, where you've walked, what you've been busy planting because you're planting something. You're either planting your sinful nature or you're planting seeds of the Spirit. You're doing something. Just look behind you. You'll see. And if it's a mess behind you, the good news is you can start walking this way towards the Spirit. See, following Jesus is not for the faint of heart. It's the best life if it's not the easiest life. But he is calling you to follow him. But following him involves taking actual steps toward him, walking in his Spirit. Yes, the victory is won, just like Jericho, but you still need to walk in it not one time, but daily, you'll face multiple Jerichos in your life. And here's what I can promise you. The more you follow Jesus, the more persecution, the more Jerichos you'll face, the harder the attacks will be against you. But don't let that scare you. The more you follow Jesus, the more grace will be unveiled in your life and the more his spirit will be poured out upon you. The harder you step after Jesus, the more dangerous you become for the darkness. The more you walk in his spirit, the stronger a warrior that you become. See, we need to stop praying for God to keep us safe and start praying for God to make us dangerous. Standing still is not following Jesus. Standing still is not following Jesus. See, if you want to stand still, this church is not for you. We serve a God that's a creator, that's always creating, that's always moving. And we have to walk after him. He called the disciples from the boat. He says, Come, follow me. He keeps on moving. And it's time for us to walk in his spirit, to keep in step with his spirit. It's time for the walls of Jericho to start crashing down. Remember, Jericho is terrified of you because of the spirit within you. What are you planting as you're walking? What seeds are you sowing into the ground of your life? Are you planting gentleness? Are you planting joy? Are you planting peace? What kind of fruit are you planting? Is it the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of your flesh? Where is the evidence? Where is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life? See, only you being connected and flipping that switch and being filled up with the Holy Spirit, only you walking in the Spirit, listening to the Spirit, running to obey the Spirit, will result in planting seeds that will bear much fruit. How do you do that? Luke eleven thirteen. Jesus says, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? You're sealed one time when you become a believer, but you need him to keep pouring into you every single day. And you've got to ask him for that. Ephesians 5.18, Isaac says this, said this in his message, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but get drunk with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Keep drinking him. In other words, you cannot get enough of the Spirit. You've got to keep on drinking him. Then there's been times in my life when I've experienced the Holy Spirit so fully and so clearly that it was like drinking from a fire hose. I couldn't download it fast enough. I was on dial-up. He was just pouring in. (laughs) But those are awesome times when I was literally, in a good way, drunk with the Spirit. And that experience and that desire does not compare to any desires of the world or, or the flesh. Remember Genesis, the Spirit, Genesis 1-2, the Spirit was hovering over the surface of the deep. He's still hovering over your life and my life. The Spirit abides in you. And just a few verses down, Genesis 1-29 says this. God's talking to us. He says, look, open your eyes. I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for food. See, God's a God of multiplication. God is a God of planting good seeds to produce good fruit, to plant good seeds to produce more fruit, to multiply. And what are you going to do with the seed of the Spirit that he has given you? It's time to flip the switch to activate the Spirit of God that's already within you. You've got it within you. You just need to turn it on. What if this group here, remember I said there were more than 12 of you, absolutely, that stood up. What if this group of harvesters right here started planting love in everyone we touched all around us? Everywhere we stepped, seeds of love. What if this church planted a vineyard of peace? Listen to me, what if we we actually did that, planted a vineyard of peace? What would be poured out on the tables in this community? from that fruit. What if we planted joy everywhere we went? What could actually happen? What if we planted faithfulness? See, some of you are on lap five or six of Jericho, and you've given up or you're ready to give up, (laughs) but God says, keep on going. Victory is just ahead. Keep on stepping. Keep on walking in the Spirit. The victory is just beyond your steps. I've already won it. You've just got to walk in it. You've got to flip the switch. You've got to go and keep planting the seeds of faithfulness. Don't give up now. You're so close. Can you imagine the impact that this church could have by planting the seeds of the spirit that we already have inside of us? The harvest that that would be in this city, the harvest that would be in this, this state, this country, this world, It could be incredible, but we've got to walk in the Spirit. We've got to plant seeds of the Spirit. Jesus said in John 15, 16, I appointed you, that's you and me, to produce what? Lasting fruit. Fruit that lasts. So the Father will give you everything you ask for using my name. I think we're just not asking enough from him. He says, ask for the Spirit. I'll give you the Spirit. I'll fill you up. I'll overflow you. See, you're called. You're just like those first disciples on the boat. You're doing your own thing. And Jesus is coming by and he says, come and follow me. Drop everything now. Doesn't matter what your past is. Now, starting now, when you've heard my voice, that's today, here and now. Start walking behind me. Walk in my footsteps. Walk in the spirit. You're a harvest worker. You should be in the fields. That's what harvest workers do. Stand up for a moment. Who's ready for a harvest? Who's ready to plant some seeds that will multiply and create an impact far and wide? You have everything you need already inside of you. Romans 8 says, the Holy Spirit within us, I love this, is the foretaste of future glory. You have the foretaste of future glory inside of you. Come on, somebody. When the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, Peter and the 11 apostles stepped forward. That's where we get the name of this church. They didn't stand still. They weren't confused. They heard the call of God and they stepped forward. They were walking in the Spirit, literally. See, God is always calling us to take a step forward into His victory. And on that day, Peter quoted a prophecy from Joel He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, that's today, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Come on, somebody. And if God is pouring out His Spirit, then I want to catch that. I want to be filled with His Spirit. I want to dream those dreams. I want to see those visions. I don't know about you, but I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to keep in step with the Spirit. I want His Spirit to be poured out on my life to fill me up. Not just to fill me, but to overflow me. Because when it overflows, it touches somebody else. Can I get an amen? Amen. If that's you this morning, just open up your hands simply. Just get yourself your heart. It's about opening your heart up. It's nothing, it, it's nothing physical that you're doing with your hands other than you're opening your spirit up. You're opening your heart up for him to pour his spirit into your life. To get yourself in the posture and position of Samuel to say, speak to me. I'm shutting my mouth. I'm shutting the noise and I'm listening to what you have to say. And let's pray, God, for an outpouring of your spirit to fill these people that we can plant seeds, that we can work the fields. We need to be in the fields, but we need to be filled up first so that we can see a mighty harvest with fruit that lasts. So let's pray this morning. I'm going to pray Psalm 1. (laughs) This is awesome. Father God, you see these people here, these harvest workers. Fill them up. God, we, we, we pray what David wrote in Psalm 1, that we wouldn't follow the wicked, we wouldn't follow our, our, our own flesh, that we wouldn't stand around with sinners. No, we're going to walk. We're not going to stand around. God, help us to walk in the Spirit. Help us to do what we're committing to do right now. You've called us out of the boat. And God, I, I pray over these people right now, that they would be like trees planted along the riverbank of your spirit, drinking up the spirit. The roots that go down deep, that would bear fruit in every season, just like David wrote. God, we pray that. oh, And that they would prosper in whatever they do. We pray this over this group of people. This is a special group of people. They're going to go from here and do amazing things. They're going to walk in your spirit, God. They're going to plant seeds of love, of joy, of peace, of goodness, of gentleness that will grow and multiply and produce vineyards and orchards for generations to come. This is not about just this generation. You're planting for generations and generations to come. You're planting for the kingdom of heaven, you're a kingdom worker. God, that we would listen like Samuel to the voice of the Spirit, that we would run to obey, that we would walk every day in the Spirit, that we would take our old, their old selfish nature and we'd crucify that thing because you've already won the victory. We've got to keep walking around Jericho just following your Spirit, God, following your, your presence. Jesus, we pray for lasting fruit, for the seeds that, that would come from your voice today upon our lives, that our hearts would be good soil and that we would produce lasting fruit for one name only. Empty of, us, of ourselves, Jesus. Pour out your Spirit on us right now. Fill us up to overflowing that our lives might spill over and touch others that are all around us. We receive your Holy Spirit today. We ask for more and more and more of you. We receive your anointing today. And all God's people said, Amen. Let it be so.